Hello, everybody. I hope you're having a happy Halloween. Um, normally, here at Retrograde, we like to release episodes every other Sunday. But as you can see... It's Halloween, bitches. <laughs> yeah, so we thought it'd be cool to have our first horror-themed movie, our first horror movie, debut on Halloween. So I hope you enjoy. Hope you have a safe fun as much fun as you can safely on halloween in 2020 yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh halloween's pretty weird this year i know with trick-or-treating being canceled and you know not really supposed to get into large groups of people you know the i used to do the uh santa monica boulevard thing with my friends oh oh the halloween parade yeah I've uh, I've always got every year I've gone to Universal Hall, uh, Universal Horror Nights. Oh yeah, every year. Yeah, me and my sister, um, we've gone for five or six years now straight. But uh, it's canceled this year, obviously. But honestly, I am not upset in the slightest. I'm a little bummed, but it's for a safety mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and yeah, listen, guys, uh, if you're out there, don't be afraid to have fun on Halloween, but just do it safely. You know, if you're going to a party, just Make sure that it's adequately sized yeah. or at an adequate venue. You know, don't just don't just say fuck it and do some stupid shit, okay? Because yeah, that's not needlessly endanger people's lives, but still, <laughs> but still have fun. So my recommendations: yeah. um, get drunk, okay? There's you you could do that in your apartment or house. Just get drunk or rent a film if you're in, rent a rent a scary movie. There's so many of them that are amazing. And even if you're not a fan of horror films, give it a chance. Yeah. Just let yourself be taken for a few hours. You're going to get scared. Your heart's going to be racing. But I promise you, you're going to love it. I was the same way. I was super scared of horror films. Horror trailers scared the shit out of me growing up. But now... <laughs> like when you're in the movie theater and you're like in the dark room when you're watching... The Seed of Chucky trailer terrified me. <laughs> what? The Seed of Chucky? The trailer. It's the, it starts off with a reveal of a baby in a womb through an ultrasonic monitor. And then... It, the, oh my God, I remember. And then the face <laughs> turns around and it's Chucky. And it's terrifying. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> but look, if you're, if you're not into horror films, I recommend Van Helsing's a good one. It's got a little bit of horror action. It's a fun adventure film with the beautiful Hugh Jackman. Come on. Beautiful Hugh Jackman and not... Um, what's her name? Underworld. Oh, Kate Beckinsale? Yeah. I mean, yeah, she she's hot too, but Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I mean, if you guys have any suggestions for horror films you guys want us to watch, please feel free to DM Austin and I. We're super happy to listen and yeah, and DM us on the on the Twitter at retrograde underscore pod or at the Instagram retrograde underscore pod. And with that, we're gonna start the episode. Thanks, guys, for listening. Happy, happy Halloween, Halloween. Hall- oh. No, I don't. And I don't want to know the song. It sounds (laughs) terrible. It's from Halloween 3. Ugh. Season of the Witch. Get the fuck out of here. The best Halloween sequel. Nerd. Your move, creep. Mission Black Freezer. You go, Coco. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, boy. Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. 
Hello everybody, welcome back to Retrograde, the podcast where we talk about older movies, we talk about how they were received, how they were made, and whether or not they still hold up. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Austin. And I am George. Hey, you remembered your name this time. I did, I, I didn't mess up. That's great. <laughs> uh, today on this episode, we're going to be talking about the 1992 cult classic Candyman. Candyman. Directed by Bernard Rose, based off of a Clive Barker short story. What, are you a fan of Clive Barker? I am a fan, I guess. I don't know. I like. I really like Candyman, and I really, really like the first Hellraiser. And uh, his Nightbreed movie wasn't really that. I didn't think it was very good, but I, I kind of liked it. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. I am not a fan. You're not? I, well, it's not that I'm not a fan. I just don't know about him too much. I, I, I can remember, like, video games having, like, the Clive Barker thing. And I was like, oh, no, that's not for me. It's too scary. Yes. <laughs> I, so, again, I did not get into horror until college. And, like, I think the first real horror film I saw was, like, The Conjuring. Um, and some horror enthusiasts like, well, that's not too scary. It's like, well, it was scary for me, asshole. Okay? Like, I... <laughs> I I scare very easily. I'm very jumpy. I get very nervous. I get super anxious. And um, I avoided horror films for the longest time. But then I started appreciating that nervousness. You know what I mean? Like that. Um, yeah. Like that, if the movie's making me feel something, it's there's something good about it. Yeah. Know? I think with The Conjuring, it was very much like um, I felt like it was a, a spooky house, like in a carnival. You know, like you have the haunted house, the ha- the, the haunted house kind of maze. And it's yeah. not necessarily scary, but it's kind of, um, it's fun. It's scary and fun at the same time. And that's kind of how I felt about The Conjuring. I've never seen any Conjuring movies. Really? You should check out the really? first one. The first one, I just I don't do. like possession movies. Because you believe in very them? Very much. No, I just, I'm like, I don't like the idea of like, you know, people praying to, or using the Bible and like expelling the demon. And like, good thing we had that priest with his Bible and you know what I mean? Like, the Christian faith is what saves them. Well, that's the that's that's the thing. I was raised Catholic. Yeah, I can't help. It's not that I don't, I believe in possessions, but I definitely won't root it out. You know what I mean? Some I shit. like it when the the possession is isn't like a demon. It's more of like an idea or an injustice that humans have like done to themselves. You know what I mean? Oh like man, like it's some kind of historical. Like significance, man. Now you're intellectualizing all of this and stuff, man. That's I like, what I do when I watch movies, dude. I guess, but there's still some, there's still something fun in like, oh man, a demon with like seeking out revenge for 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 someone like killing them and stuff. You know, like Candyman. See, and we came full circle. I was trying to bring. I was. I'm sorry. I was like talking over you because I was trying to bring it full circle. No, it, see, and it worked out beautifully. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So like Candyman, like. That he's not a demon. He's. Have you seen the movie? I have. So I have not seen Candyman. I haven't seen any Candyman. Uh, the only thing Candyman related that I've seen was like is a the watch, trailer. Well, the trailer for the new one and a Watch Mojo video where it's like spooky movies that you should watch and like Candyman was on there at like three o'clock in the morning. Oh, absolutely, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, like this is kind of fun. We'll see how it is. I wish we could see like the analytics of like when people watch those Watch Mojos. I feel like people have the strangest viewing patterns when it comes to Watch Mojos because I yeah. think it's once you want watch it once you watch one, you have to keep going. Yeah, 
these Watch Mojo videos got me. That narrator, her voice is like, <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, her voice is like soothing, but like matter of fact slash like yeah. robotic slash human. I don't know. It's very hard to describe. I kind of, I would, I wish she made like an audio book, like helping you go to sleep. I'd listen to her every night. Mm. Like you're falling asleep now. And it's like, oh, you know what? I think I am. Here's some movies that will help you fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't know anything about Candyman except I, for the Watch Mojo video. Yeah. And the trailer. And that I, then Toadie Todd is, uh, uh-huh. well, I do know something about it. I recently watched this documentary called Film Noir. Uh, which I recommend people watch it. It's uh, it's on Shutter, and it's incredible. It breaks down African American representation in horror films, yeah. and they talk a little bit about Candyman, and it's really interesting. Like, yes, it's it's really interesting what they kind of delve into. Yeah, that's see, that's why like the possession in Candyman it like makes more sense. It's more relatable to people who aren't like of a Christian faith. You know, because uh, like the the idea is it's it was an injustice done to this guy, this black guy in I think the Reconstruction era America. Candyman is kind of about how we treat like stories of black men in America, like how we teach people to be afraid of black men in America. It's I think it's it has a lot more depth than you give it. <laughs> You're my cat. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, this is Hobbs. Oh, he wants he wants the loves. <laughs> yeah, so I think there's a lot of like cool stuff going on in Candyman, and on top of that, there's like this weird eroticism in that movie, which is the same as like Hellraiser. There's like some weird like eroticism in, in that movie as well. But... From horror noir, they were talking about how Candyman like had this attraction for like white women. And how he was like killing a lot of a lot a lot of black people too. Even though, from what I understand, Candyman was like, well, he was killed by white men. Mm-hmm. They fed him the bees or something like that, and then he came back and he started killing like black people. Like that's that's where I'm confused. That's I'm confused about the Candyman story. Well, he kills people that uh, invoke his name. Okay, I'm trying to. I, I want to figure out why. And well, it, it's because you know, like you're. You're keeping the myth of the Candyman alive by telling these stories, and in these stories, he's a murderer. So you're like creating this murderous spirit mm. by telling those stories. You, you see it in like the the police shootings too. Like they think you're a criminal before you even do anything because this image, this myth, this you know. Okay, that makes a bit more, that makes a bit more sense. I'm curious to see it play out. This movie came out in 1992. On October 16th, do you know what the number one movie of that weekend was? No idea. Under Siege. Wait, the Steven Seagal one? Yes, the Steven Seagal movie was number one while Candyman was out and until November 5th. Wow. So even on Halloween, like, Under Siege was number one. Wow, I just looked up the box the box office 156 million i know my dad loved it though yeah that's how i remember because my dad showed it to me and he loved steven seagal i watched that i didn't i guess i didn't watch the whole thing but i watched it and i'm like this is terrible this is like a made for tv movie and i'm just now seeing it was number one movie for like five weekends (laughs) 
And the thing that like knocked it off was Passenger 57, which is basically the same thing, but with Wesley Snipes on a plane. <laughs> Man, what is it about like putting people in confined like action heroes in confined places? It started with uh, Die Hard. Ooh, man, yeah. A, a, a movie that we should probably also do on one of our episodes. Well, I feel like everyone does Die Hard. Everyone does, because it's great. What are we going to add to the conversation? It's a great movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Of course it is. There's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of good stuff. Even I mean, like during the production and how it was made, it's, it's pretty interesting. You take this guy who is a TV star and no one cares about TV stars as movie stars. Even when they promoted the movie, they hid his face because they didn't think he would draw. He was paid an unprecedented amount of money to be in this movie and they didn't even believe in him. So it's like, what what's going on there? You know? True. I, the behind the scenes of this is really in- interesting. Yeah. And I love yeah. it when people are proven wrong. And this is this is where I'm going to like sit on, I'm I'm going to sit on my high chair. I was <laughs> sit on my high horse. That's you what it your is. high chair. I don't know, man. I was you're like, gonna, what was you're the say? The big kids table in your high chair. Yeah, you're man. sit with the grown ups. Yeah, I'm gonna sit with the grown ups and look down. <laughs> Not nah, because look again. That's your bib. Yeah, your exactly. sippy cup. <laughs> <laughs> you leave my sippy cup alone, motherfucker. Nah, this is where I'm gonna sit on my high horse and be like, look, one of the one of the things is I've been, <laughs> that that's the saying, right? High horse? High horse, yes. Yeah, all right, yes. all right. That's right. I caught I caught myself. Um, is I usually like to just wait and see, you know, because in the end of the day, you never know how anything's gonna pan out. And mm. man, people just love to rail on shit. And I love it when they're turned out wrong. I remember as clear as fucking day, as clear as this fucking window in my room right now. People hating on my 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 boy Heath Ledger, Daniel Craig. Oh my god, like just fanboys yeah. just coming down. You can't have a blonde bond. You get yeah. it, it's like I'm like, why? Just just let the man do his thing. And then Casino Royale shuts them all up, backhands all of them. And I'm like, yeah, shut the fuck up. And then Heath Ledger too. Oh, Iron Man. With uh, Robert Downey Jr. People forget that that dude got a lot of shit in those early years. I remember talking to my uncle and he was like, oh, they cast him as Iron Man? That movie's going to be fat, whack as fuck. Oh, nobody, wow. nobody, was like, nobody was like, oh, this man's going to bring it. And then 10 years later, this man is literally bringing everyone to tears at the end of Endgame. Mm-hmm. People love to hate on shit right before anything comes out. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that's kind of dumb. It's so dumb because there's no way you can know. The only way you know is if you're like in there watching the dailies or in there when you're shooting the film. You know, I think even when you're watching the dailies, it's kind of you don't know how where that scene is going to be in the movie, like what happened right before, what happened right after it, exactly. the music and everything. You like re- it's you really cannot tell. It must be terrifying, like putting your heart and soul into a movie and then having it come out in theaters and people are like, this is stupid. I, Oh, I, I, I absolutely agree too. And, 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 and I will, and I will do that for sure. Like I will watch mm-hmm. a film and just be like, this is dumb. They're not crappy uh-huh. to someone. And someone yeah. stayed up lit day and night working on it. And, um, yeah, you know, and maybe it's not even their fault that the film failed. Maybe it could be the times, Maybe the film just isn't responding to people at the time, like Speed Racer, which we talked about. It could yeah. just be that maybe there was one thing that you over, like overlooked, and that it was like a chain reaction of 
this one thing messed up this and this and this or you know or maybe you casted someone that wasn't the bright part and we've seen that happen a lot um yeah but i'm glad to hear that die hard was one of those films where it's like people didn't believe in it and then it turns out to be one of the greatest films of all time i'm gonna go down and say yeah. that about die hard for sure i don't know it's kind of hard to say it's one of the greatest films but it's definitely one of the greatest action films of all time i think it's definitely like in terms of because if you're one of the best action films you're also one of like you're gonna be on the list of one of the best films of all time like i think so. yeah because like look at how how many people copied it afterwards that's how you know how success how good it was like Number one movie for five weeks under siege. It's Die Hard on a ship with Steven Seagal. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Candyman. Anyway, Candyman was a, I guess, relatively low budget movie. It was like eight to nine million for the budget, okay. and it made twenty five million uh, overall. The, overall, um, with a five million domestic opening. Ah, so it made a decent amount on the opening day. It's just not. Number one. Twenty five million seven hundred and ninety two thousand three hundred and ten in total, but that's not including like the international. It might have not gotten an inter- international release, then there's not then there's um rentals because this is a cult cult classic now. Yeah, it's a cult classic. People know Candyman. People are excited about the Jordan Peel or Jordan Peel produced yes. and written by, but the director is Nia uh, Acosta? Yes. Yeah. Another thing I want to talk about, like when it came out, uh, 92. How old were you? 92. I was not born. You weren't, <laughs> so this movie is older than you. By in one October? Year, by one year. When were you born? 93 in November. Yeah, this movie is a year older than you. Goddamn. I think I the first time I watched this movie, I think it might have been on TV. And it was... It was in the. I'm sure I was a kid because I remember there being like this scare of African killer bees. Do you know anything about that? No. Yeah, it was before you were born. (laughs) (laughs) But there was like this big scare about these bees that were like taken from Africa to South America to like um, trying to get better or get, get honey with bees that were better suited for the environment or something. I don't know. But some bees escaped captivity and they made it with other bees and those bees were like super aggressive and they didn't they would like sting people a lot and they weren't really particular with where they would nest so they would like nest in someone's shack or whatever and they would attack you if you were too close there was a guy who was attacked because he was like um using his lawnmower Uh, so i remember like bees being like very scary for me as a kid and Candyman uses bees to like I don't know he's just he doesn't use bees to kill people but like he's, but he's, he's made of bees. There's a scene where he like opens his chest and it's just full of bees. I don't like that. I don't like bees either. Yeah, hearing those stories in the news and stuff and being afraid of these killer bees, African killer bees out there. <laughs> that's weird, right? Like they always call them African killer bees. So like- they're, they're invading our like. I mean, <laughs> you brought them over here. And then, and then you're gonna call them invading? Speech. Like, come on! I think I'm thinking of that Kia that Kia Peel sketch where it's like the the black ice. Oh yeah, yes! It's like <laughs> the road, black ice wasn't on the road. The road was built on black ice. Yeah, and like the diagram of like the ice with like the hat and like the gold tooth. Oh my god! Yeah, and I I feel like I I don't know. 
I wonder how much that had to do with Candyman's success, you know, as like a cult classic. Like it's, it's something to think about when you watch the movie. Yeah. So the so the film has a seventy four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, um, mm-hmm. and it's out of sixty five reviews. So not you know not too many critics, but you know seventy four solid. Seventy four is a very good number. Sixty one yeah. audience, sixty one percent audience, and that's out of a hundred and thirty four thousand and seventy eight. Good number. Sixty one percent is uh, just above that rotten line. But I mean, you know, it's a horror film, and it's dealing with these like racial undertones. So I'm, you know, probably some people just aren't. Re- it's not really for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really intrigued though, because again, there is that. It seems. Like it was a film ahead of its time. Yeah, it's got this pretty, really, really interesting premise. I'm excited to watch it. I'm just worried yeah. as to how scary it's gonna be. All right, that's all we have for the first part of this podcast. Uh, stick around, and we'll give you our review. And I don't like saying review. Give you our opinions. Yeah, we'll let you know what we think of Candyman, and we'll give you some more detail on how it was made and whether or not we think it holds up today i think it does a lot oh, well, I'm, curious. I, I, I'm i'm blind i'm going in blind so we'll see you'll know yeah, that you're gonna get i the, am the reliable viewer here listen to me people my word okay. is my word is solid gold yeah solid gold from your high chair on your high horse i swear to god i will i will do something all right see you in a bit you are not content with the stories, so I was obliged to come. Be my victim. Be my victim. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. Come with me. Hello, everybody. We are back from watching Candyman from 1992. Uh, it's the first time you saw it, George, right? First time. First time. What did you think? Which first impression? Honestly, first impression? Uh, I was a little underwhelmed. Underwhelmed? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad movie, but... I I don't think it grabbed me. You know, it didn't it okay. didn't lift my soul to the to the heavens and <gasps> you know. <laughs> okay. Well, I have seen the movie. I saw the movie a long time ago and I saw it again today and I'm surprised at how well it still holds up. What do you think holds up well? There's there's a part in the movie where after like the the Candyman guy is should we go over the story first? Oh, yes, bit? absolutely. Yeah, oh, absolutely. We totally should. So Candyman is about this woman, Helen Lyle. She is a graduate student, and she's trying to write this paper on urban legends. Um, as she's interviewing, like, I guess, high school students or undergrads, um, the cleaning woman kind of overhears it, and she tells her about the story of Candyman and how he killed a woman Ruthie Jean in the Chicago uh, housing projects, Cabrini Green. So she goes over to explore Cabrini Green with her friend Bernadette. And she she's kind of like wandering around, not really 
talking to anyone there. They think that she thinks that they think she's a cop, so they're not going to bother her. Um, and then a woman is like, hey, what are you doing over there? My friend died there. And that woman is Anne Marie, and she welcomes them into her home. And then she tells them the story of what happened to Ruthie Jean and how Candyman got her and everything. Helen and Bernadette don't believe in the story necessarily. To call Candyman, you say his name into the mirror five times, kind of like Bloody Mary. Uh, the movie actually starts with, like, what's his name? Uh, Sam Raimi's brother. <laughs> oh, wait, um, that's Sam Raimi's brother? Yeah, that's that's the guy who's Jay Jonah, whatever he, his name he's is. He's the assistant to Jay Jonah. Yeah, he's the guy like, get me Spider-Man. He's, he says that too. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, the movie actually starts with someone saying Candyman into the mirror and then Candyman comes and kills them. But it's, it's set up like it's a story, like someone's telling that story to uh, Helen. Um, so anyway... They like goof around in the mirror and then like nothing happens to them, right? She keeps going back to Cabrini Green and the gangs there take notice and one of them attacks her, right? And the guy who's leading the attack has a hook for her hand and he says he's Candyman. And like there's a little kid there. Jake. 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 Jake played by the Juan guy. There's a kid there who's like, oh, it's Candyman. Like, he kind of calls him by that. Um, so after she's attacked, she goes to the police, they file a report, there's a police lineup, and then they catch the guy who attacked her. And then she's like, wait, he's probably the guy, because in the Candyman stories that she hears, there's, he killed uh, Ruthie Jean, and he killed a kid in the urinal. Like, ripped, ripped him from growing to his stomach or something. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the common. And left, yeah, left his penis floating in the toilet bowl. Um, so she's like, well, he must have been the guy that killed those two. And the only reason the police went in and caught him is because I'm a white woman. So then she thinks that she, they've caught the Candyman, you know, the, they've solved the urban legend. But the real Candyman comes to her. And he comes to her because she didn't believe in him. And now his flock don't believe in him. And if they don't believe in him, he has no power. So now he has to kill her or have her come with him. And of course she she doesn't want to do this. She like she's like, I don't want to I don't want to die. But he kind of makes it so she has no choice. She he kind of sets her up as a criminal murderer. And she, he alienates her from her family. Her husband's already cheating on her, so that wasn't too hard. Um he kills her friend and everything. And has her institutionalized, and the entire time he has kidnapped this baby, Anne Marie's, Anne Marie's, Anne Marie's, Anne Marie's baby, Anthony. And Anne Marie's the woman that like took her, took Helen into her home and kind of explained Ruthie Jean's story. So at the end of the movie, she has, she's trying to like save the baby, the baby that she doesn't even know. Right? She is a woman that she met like a day before things started happening, and she chooses to save the baby. And she dies for her efforts. And so does Candyman's spirit. And that's that's kind of how the movie ends. And she kind of becomes Candyman too. Because her husband, he's like all ex-husband. He's all sad looking in the mirror. And he says her name five times. And she comes and kills him. I was going to say, yeah, you missed the, the best part ends. of the movie. When she becomes... That's the best part of the movie? Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I think it holds up really well with how... 
we teach people to be afraid of black men. I feel like that's why Candyman is what he is, you know? And that's why his power comes. There's like a line that he has um, that I thought was like, damn, that's that's chilling. Do you know what the line was? Pull it up. Why do you want to live? If you would learn just a little from me, you would not beg to live. I am rumor. It is a blessed condition, believe me to be whispered about at street corners, to live in other people's dreams, but not to have to be. Do you understand? Talking about him gives him life. Well, Candyman is the Black Boogie. <laughs> He's the, the Willie... You should, really should look up at uh, Willie Horton. Willie Horton was a criminal right he was on this furlough program do you know what furlough is like for prison so he was able to leave jail and work but he left his work and he like raped and killed or i don't know if he killed the husband but he raped someone and then he went back to jail and people used that story to discredit the furlough program and the uh, i think the governor or the mayor it was part of a political campaign but his name wasn't willie horton his name was William. He never went by Willie. They changed the name to Willie to make him sound more black. And the image that they used was like super. Is like, this uh, like his Afro big old beard? Yes. Okay, because I have the image up on my computer right now. There's that, and there's also like this is right, right around the time the term super predator was going around, which was like code for young black man. Have you heard of that? Yeah, super predator? No. Yeah. That's why people were were um, complaining about Hillary Clinton because she was one of the ones that would use that term around back back then, right? Yeah, and the, this is in the early nineties. Yeah, I think the Willie Horton thing was in the late mid to late eighties. I didn't know about Willie Willie Horton. The thing that really trips me up is that the fact that Willie wasn't his name, but it was a conscious choice to make him sound more black. But yeah, so like Candyman doesn't exist, but he exists in people's minds, and that that is what makes him real. And I also really like how Candyman, because like this movie is classified as a slasher. You know, it's in there with your Freddy Kruegers, your Michael Myers, your uh, Jason Voorhees, you know, all those guys. But Candyman, when he appears before people, it's a very like kind of romantic kind of thing. He needs consent for you to be his victim. Well, romantic when it's dealing with Helen. Yeah, but he's or she's the only one that really sees yeah. him. He the things that he does is done to her yeah. so that she will agree to be his victim. It's it's not about like Bernadette didn't do anything. No, it, it's to it's to it's to put Helen into this position where she has no choice but to give herself yes. in. But it, it yes. really seems like it's almost like a romantic relationship because I had the impression Candyman was obsessed with her because she reminded him of the person he married of the of the white woman that he married yeah he didn't i don't think he married her i think that he just fell in love with her and they had a child together or she was pregnant by yeah. him and and that, that helen reminded Candyman of her of his old of his uh love yes interest. which we don't get explicitly but we hear the background story and then we see part of a mural the writing on the wall yeah. say it was always you, Helen. Yeah. And she sees a woman that looks like her in the mural. Which was kind of cool because I think I, because when you, because when she says the name Candyman five times, 
and she doesn't immediately get attacked. She Candyman doesn't come after her for a while. It's not until she disturbs the faith of, of his flock by by naming the guy that's using the Candyman moniker. Yes, um, which was kind of that's some this it, and that's the thing. There's some interesting things in there, and it's there's some really cool stuff that happened talking about it. There's a lot of good ideas in it. There's a, it's definitely a movie that was ahead of its time, and there's a lot to admire. But there's nothing that really brings anything out of me that makes it like, oh, like, like neither good or bad. You know what I mean? Like, you don't like the way Helen looks at Candyman. You don't think that, that was kind of weird? I thought it was. I, it didn't stand out. It's it stands out, but it's like everything that, like, for every moment that stands out, there's a, there's also something that makes it like, eh, this is okay. Like a couple, like some of the things that I thought were interesting was her relationship with Candyman. Um, some of the kills I thought were kind of cool. Like they, they were, they were violent. See, I think that's, that's how you're, you're looking at this movie like a slasher movie. And if you look at it as a slasher movie, you're going to be disappointed. I think that this isn't a slasher. Oh, movie. Absolutely. It's not. Um, it totally isn't. And I think that kind of went against the expectations. It's very much more about subtext. And I'm like, this feels like a movie. Yeah. There's so much subtext. This, in this movie, movie. This is the movie that like, you talk about in a college university classroom yeah i actually did like this this movie was in was reintroduced to me when i was uh in the undergraduate program at uc irvine where we talked about um, fantastic realism like the magical realism mm. in a in film and this was one of those movies that you talk um, about we watched yeah it's it's definitely it's one of those films where you do talk about in a university and you kind of break it down and stuff and but even then though it's not that it's a it's bad it's just that i it just kept forgetting about it i was like oh wait we have to think we have to talk about candy man i was like well and i had to like keep i have to look at the wiki again to kind of like refresh my memory because just <laughs> yeah I, I mean i don't mean it as dis- i don't mean it as disrespect but i was just it's just i i don't know for some reason it just did not stick with me and it might be that I was expecting more of a slasher because like the kills I remember, um, and maybe I just saw it the wrong way. I really do think I did. It's it sounds like you did. It has to be something where I have to like keep watch. I have to watch again until I can make. Or maybe it's just not for you. It, I mean, it it could be. It really could be. Um, Should I get into the um, background of how this movie was made? I mean, or, what, I mean, what what are some of the things you like? Because I feel like maybe I don't know. Maybe hearing about, maybe hearing how someone who really liked it might kind of point me in the right direction. Well, I think it's it's really interesting how Candyman doesn't just kill her, right? He makes her go through the experience of a black man in the criminal justice system. He sets her up for murder, and alienates her from all of her uh, allies and she's guilty before her trial is even a thing right i think that the way that he institutionalizes her and leaves her no choice is is pretty interesting um i like the way he talks he doesn't he's saying something under all of that you know we don't really know a lot of his backstory so we have to like it's just that one scene in the diner where the professor is talking about the the guy oh, who, prick. yeah uh, Candyman was a romantic character, 
right? He he was an artist, fell in love with a woman, they had a child together, and then he was killed because he fell in love with a, a white man's daughter, you know? So now when he comes back, he's still kind of a romantic guy. He needs her permission to be his victim. <laughs> he asks her for a kiss. <laughs> um, and there's that one scene where he kisses her with the bees, and, like, he he's almost sad like he he's brought to tears but i feel like there's the character of Candyman's um really interesting i like the way he floats around <laughs> i think it's it's really funny when she's tied to the bed right he's like floating up and down and then he like hides under the bed but like he doesn't need to hide she's the only one that sees him that shot of him like floating under the bed is is one of my favorite things and then when he flies out the window that that's great. He could kill her right then and there. But what does he do? He kills the doctor. He frees her and gives her a means to escape. So now she looks even more guilty. Oh, yeah. It's 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 funny because this man puts her in a spot where she, she has to just... At that point, you're like, well, I'm dead already, so I might as well just do this for real. Because he had no choice. You know, he... The relationship with the woman was, was consensual. You know, like the thing that got him killed. It was just the racist dad and his lynch mob. That's that's what killed him. They cut off his hand, gave him a hook, uh, and then covered him in bees and had the bees sting him to death. Which, and I mean, there's a... Man, fucking bees. Oof. That scene where he's about to kiss her with the bees in his mouth. With the bees. Those, and, and that's something that needs to be praised are just the effects. Those are real bees. The effects in this are fantastic. The bees... When he opens up his coat and you see his ribcage, the kills, all very well done. Very, very, very spectacular. Helen could be crazy, you know, because the things are only happening to her. Like, there's no one else to say, oh, there's a candy man that killed the doctor. And in, even in the security footage, like, she's yelling to nobody. Yeah. So you're not really sure if Candyman is real or not. I mean, I think what kind of disrupts that is when Helen becomes the myth and she kills her husband. Yeah. I think that kind of like, because I was thinking the same thing is like, oh, maybe she's just becoming so obsessed that it's like all in her head and she's mm -hmm. justifying it by, you know, Candyman and whatnot. Yeah. But at, that's, at the end, it's like, oh, so now she's part of the myth. Okay. So I'm sure that. See, that's why I was like, why do you think that's the best scene in the movie? I think that's the worst scene in the movie. I think. <laughs> like, it's the goofiest and most out of place thing in the movie. I, I love it because it's goofy. And I love it because it is, it's very cathartic. Yeah. It's very emotional. Like. It, like is it, it kind of breaks yeah. down it breaks some of the some of the mystery or some of the uh the ambiguity of the film by oh maybe it's her because yeah she kills her 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 man and you know amy walks in who's one of his students and sees his body so it kind of breaks the ambiguity but it's so cathartic because she goes at one point after the after i think after the hospital she goes back to her house she sees amy painting their living room She's like what the yeah fuck? that ugly pink yeah, killer like, what the fuck is he doing and he's just like you he's so just reductive and he's such a dick yeah that it's like when so i i called him out right away and you're like well I'll give him the benefit i was of the saying doubt. that sarcastically you didn't you and that's the i don't know man we, we, so we were doing social distancing we lot sarcasm is lost over well over text because i was like oh, now hold on give him the benefit of the doubt he seems like a nice guy I said that, and that you know, when when I was, I was like, maybe he didn't get the sarcasm. No, I didn't, because sometimes you say some stupid shit. I say a lot of stupid shit. 
What I say is sarcastically <laughs> enough. Well, I was I've never been good at saying at at being sarcastic and recognizing sarcasm. So <laughs> in my head I was like, oh, if I say he's a nice guy, he'll get it. Clearly not though. I guess not. No, but he well he I got I got some vibes with him when he was like when he had the students around and she kind of questioned them yeah. about it. I was like, oh, there's something a little fishy here. Like, there's something off. Yeah. And that's another thing. It's that She's in a bit of a situation before Candyman even appears. Yeah. You know, she's in a race against the clock. She's trying to break into a boys club of, uh, I guess, urban anthropology. I don't know what, <laughs> what she's a graduate student of, what her major is. Because um, these guys, they've already done it. She's trying to, like go the next step she's trying to make her own way so she doesn't have to be the wife of a professor she wants to be her own thing you know she's trying to break her ground and her and her husband's just making it a little bit harder yeah and it's it kind of doesn't seem like they're totally like not you know it's not that they're in a bad spot but oh, that is a bad spot to be in if if your marriage looks like that that you're in some trouble it's it's definitely not it, i wouldn't it's like there's a you could tell that underneath it all there's like some some tension some underlying thing that you eventually because you're watching a film you know it's gonna come it's gonna come to the to the it's gonna boil and it's gonna explode at some point um and kind of like how shit and when she goes back to her apartment and she sees amy there and her her husband's just like kind of being a dick he's been dismissing her this entire time and it just shows that he just didn't care Seeing him die at the end was like, well, okay, I think this, that's pretty great. Like, he got what he he had coming. It was the second thing I felt the most in the entire film, in terms of emotions. What, was, story. what was the first thing? When Jake sees... Um, so, Helen, so, Candyman tells Helen where the baby is. And there's a giant... Um, what would you say it's called? It's like... Um, it's a pyre, I think? Like a bond? Like a, like a bond... A like a, Right? Like a like a bonfire that's that's gonna be lit. It's a bunch of like old furniture that's been destroyed or damaged or something. It's all put in a pile. Yeah, it's like it's just a bunch of it's just a giant pile, and the baby's underneath it. So Helen goes. So Candyman tells her where the baby's at. So Helen goes. She has Candyman's hook in her hand, and when Jake Jake hears something. He hear he goes looking and he sees the hook kind of go inside the pile, which we know it's Helen. But Jake doesn't know that, so he thinks it's Candyman. So he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna kill this guy." So he grabs, so he grabs lighter fluid, douses it in on the on the the mountain of stuff, and he lights it on fire. Mm-hmm. And I know that we know that Helen's inside. And so at that moment, I was, "Oh no, yeah, he's accidentally gonna kill her." No, it stop, is, stop, stop, stop. It's all done to that beautiful music too. The I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like, nice. It, yeah. it is a moment where it all comes together and I was like, yeah. oh, no. And Helen does manage to escape, but she is burned the fuck up. Yeah. I did think it was goofy how... <laughs> Her ghost didn't have hair? No, I, I, well, I think with, with uh, the ghost is like, represents the final physical form that the person mm-hmm. was in because Candyman has the hook and he has his ribcage and the bees. But his face is still fine. That's why I think it was funny because the fire, her hair caught on fire. Yeah. 
so it's all burnt. She has like third degree burns all around her her like head or hair her hair yeah, where her hair used to be. But like her face is perfectly intact. Like she yeah. still looks lovely. <laughs> like her cheeks, her chin, <laughs> like her forehead, it's all yeah. beautiful, still there. It's a Hollywood ghost. Hair. I just thought that looked hilarious. <laughs> she kind of looks like a Cenobite in that when she's in the bat, the ghost Helen in the bathroom. Mm, if you've yeah, ever exactly. seen Hellraiser, I've seen pictures of Hellraiser. I've never seen Hellraiser. Yeah, just get her in like some black leather, and she's a Cenobite. <laughs> it looked so goofy. I was. Yeah. I they needed to like add some more like muscle tissue and some more blood to really sell the fact that mm-hmm. oh this woman's dead. Yeah. Because it wasn't. Because then they go from that to her funeral. And yeah. I was like, oh, she died? Like, that didn't yeah. seem too bad. Like, yeah. um, the ending of the film was very much saying it out loud, thinking about it. This movie very much reminds me of how I felt watching Joker. Um, <laughs> I know. Very, very left, very out of fields. What? Not even. But it's like the first two thirds of the movie, I'm kind of like, all right, I kind of get it there's some cool things here and there and things get very interesting at the end where i'm really brought in and invested but i walked out of joker the same way i walked out of Candyman. very like huh i think i need to revisit this in a few months or in, mm. I, there needs to be repeated viewings in order for me to like really come to really come to my conclusion because you know i like the i like the last thirds of the film but those the first two thirds i'm just kind of like oh okay i i disagree i think the whole movie is interesting i think there's except for the very end i think the very end like where she's a ghost is kind of like very of the genre like oh the last scare you know it's the monster getting up (laughs) when it could have it could have ended at the funeral or just uh, the the mural of of her i think with the credits over his perfect yeah it, it, it would have been it would have been good i like the idea of her becoming the myth kind of yeah. the next candy man but it's it's just kind of it's like, you're it's, right it's very genre it's very like this is what you're supposed to do yeah and, and you know i mean it's, it's it's i totally get where you're coming from where you say that you don't like that last yeah film. i mean like i i like it because it's like funny and silly but i think it makes the movie worse overall when you when you take in the everything else yeah kind of yeah because because Candyman is he's a very layered um a metaphor you know for the fear of, of black men what is helen she's like a woman scorned like a woman who was cheated on don't fuck with helen because she'll get you i don't know yeah it's <laughs> uh, one thing i think this is the last thing I'll say before I talk about how the movie was made. Did you get like a um, sensual vibe from Candyman in this movie? Yes. Do you think that uh, was intentional? I think so. My interpretation of it was that he was a romantic, you know, he was killed because of his romantic interests. So his spirit is inherently romantic. And I think it's funny how the first time we see Candyman in the very beginning with uh, Sam Raimi's brother, I think it's, I want to say it's Ted, but I'm not sure. The incantation is done as their couple is about to have sex. Oh, that's kind of funny. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, so like this this idea of sex being related to candy is, is it's all on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very 
and, and that's what I like about this movie. It's very the the choices made are very intentional. That's kind of now that I'm thinking about it, that was a funny opening. Yeah, like, ah, ah, ah. but it's okay that that one was like kind of goofy because well, it's a couple that they're, they're it's the urban legend. Yeah, wait, elaborate. Because that story is being told to uh, Helen Virginia Madsen's character, mm, yeah, yeah. main character. So that's not what's what actually happened. Yeah, or it could it could be, but it's like it's the same as the alligators well, in the in the sewer. You know, it's like a like it maybe. It, well, that the the alligators thing was debunked. What I like is that it the, a lot of the film is framed as what really happened. We don't really know. Like there's it the realism the the realistic world kind of breaks down, and you don't really know what's yeah. real or what's fake. Like when when Helen kills um Anne Marie's dog. Or we don't know what. Who, yeah, because she just wakes killed. up in yeah, blood. Yeah, she just wakes up, and the baby's gone. You know, yeah. there's a lot of ambiguity in there. That's kind of cool, and the opening reflects that out very well too. The guy's name is Billy, right? And oh, he's a friend of a friend of a friend. So it's like, is is there really a Billy? I don't know. I love how it was like, yeah, he was a her boyfriend was a nice guy, but she wanted Billy. And I was like, it Ooh. Is, it's that guy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, this dude's gonna get it. You just knew, like, okay, this couple clearly they're gonna they're gonna die. Yeah. Well, in the story, she's the only one that dies because Billy goes insane. And they think that he killed her. Talk to me about the, the making of this film. Okay, so Educate do you know me. do you know anything about Cabrini Green? No. I didn't know I didn't know it was real. Until yes, movie. it is a real place, a real place that people were really afraid of. It was um, these Francis Cabrini row houses and William Green homes. I guess they were combined or they were, they were together. And some of them were high-rise apartment buildings and some of them were like row houses. Um, before, it was mostly populated by italian immigrants and then over time it was like 95 percent black um, after world war ii there was a lot of factories that had to be closed down so everybody was out of work so the people living in cabrini green were most most of them were unemployed and i guess to save money um the city of chicago didn't really maintain the area very well there's there's like uh at its peak there's like fifteen thousand people living there and there's like three over three thousand uh, apartment units and they didn't like sending police there they didn't like repairing the homes that were damaged by fire they just boarded them up which you actually see in the movie um there was an incident where like the trash chutes were clogged and like just rotting trash was like stuck in the garbage chutes and people would like throw the garbage out into the lawn so then they put these like fences in so it kind of looked like a prison Lights would go out, electricity would go out, water would go out, roaches were everywhere, vandalism was everywhere. Um, it's funny, there's a, a story that there was a lot of crime in the area because it was so dark. And there's pictures of how dark the building actually looked because the people were very poor, right? So they would take the maintenance lights and use them for inside their house. So... <laughs> The city gave out light bulbs to residents, and then the crime went down a little bit. But they didn't keep doing that. It was just like a, a one-time thing. What? 
Yeah. It's just like really gross neglect of this region of people who are already poor, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's like specific stories that I have. I, I picked some of the ones that were like, whoa, that's crazy. Um, in the 70s, there were, there were two uh, patrolmen that were sniped from the buildings. Because like there's a bunch of high-rise buildings, right? A bunch of windows. And each different gangs would control different parts of the buildings. And I guess they wanted to seal a pact between these two rival gangs. So they agreed to shoot these two cops. What? Yeah. These two cops were sniped to seal the pact between two gangs. This was in the 1970. In 81... The Chicago mayor, Jane Byrne, decided to move into Cabrini Green to bring, like, attention to it, to try to, like, clean it up, you know. In the 81 March 23rd article from the New York Times, she was quoted to be willing to stay there for as long as it takes to clean up. Guess how long she stayed there? How long? Three weeks. Jesus. <laughs> she did not clean it up. And, it, and, like, by the end of it, her stay there... There was like an Easter party where she's trying to like do like a fair for kids. But there was a group that was protesting because they were saying like as while she was staying there, it felt like they were living in a concentration camp. They were like, yeah, it feels like there's we're in South Africa during apartheid or something. There's video of the whole thing where like she has cops come out and arrest some of the protesters just for, you know, demonstrating the right to protest. <laughs> Yeah. In this happened in what the eighty this happened in eighty one. There's even a play about it. Well there was a play about it at the Looking Glass Theater Company in Chicago. Um about all of the, about Cabrini Green? Uh, no no about Jane the mayor moving into Cabrini Green. And it was scheduled to run from February to April of twenty twenty. And uh COVID cancelled the rest of their dates. Oh, that's happening. That that was happening now. Yeah. I thought, oh, shit. I thought that was like something that happened a while ago. Oh. In 87, there was a Ruthie Mae McCoy who was shot to death by assailants that she claimed were trying to get through her bathroom cabinet. And she called 911, but she'd had a history of mental um, illness, so I guess they didn't really take it seriously. They didn't find her. She was found like a day later. And from the autopsy... They were like, yeah, she didn't die immediately. She bled out. So maybe she could have been saved if the cops went in there. Yep. Ruthie May McCoy was her name. Does that name sound familiar to you? Ruthie McCoy? Yeah. In Candyman, the murdered person oh. who was murdered was Ruthie Jean. Jean. In oh, shit. And the neighbor, her name was Anne-Marie Anne McCoy. Oh, fuck. And the murderers came through the bathroom cabinet, just like they do in the Candyman movie. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so that murder actually happened. Oh, my God. Uh, in 92, a boy was walking hand-in-hand -hand with his mother from school and was shot in the head by a sniper who was trying to um, shoot a rival gang member. His name was Dontrell Davis, seven years old. Six months before, he survived an apartment fire. And then he was shot in the head. This was the year the movie was released. Three days before Candyman hit theaters. Three days? Three days. Oh. In 97, this is, this is awful. There was a nine-year-old girl 
who was choked, beaten, raped, poisoned, left for dead in a dumpster with the markings of one of the gangs on her stomach. The guy that was arrested was not a gang member. He he used like a rat po- or a roach poison from a vacant apartment to get rid of evidence, and she was left blind, mute, and in a wheelchair. He got uh, 120 years. And the the guy that is the thing in the movie that happens is the guy uses the Candyman moniker, right? Mm-hmm. To to get away with some of his crimes or attributing it to a, a thing that doesn't exist. The guy actually did that, you know? In the the guy that attacked Girl X, he wrote the name of a gang that he wasn't affiliated with to get attention away from him. Oh, that's right. The dude that used the rat poison, right? Yeah. Oh, you're right, because he, he wasn't in the gang. Right. But he still did it. Yeah. Well, he was arrested for it and convicted. Some people oh. think he didn't do it, but uh, I don't, you never know, I guess. Damn. That's wild. Yep. And they filmed there. They actually went to Cabrini Green and filmed there for a week. All the exterior shots, the hallway stuff, the stairwells were actually filmed on location. Apparently, the production had to get permission from the gang leaders to guarantee safety um and part of the deal was you gotta let our ex let the residents here be extras in the film and there's like an interview on bloody disgusting where tony todd confirms that like one of them is the guy that says 5-0 hands up people 5-0 coming out the back door police it's okay they think we're cops they're not going to follow us. Yeah. Wait, so one of the guys that says it is a gang member? Or he's a resident of Cabrini oh, he was a resident. He could be a gang member. Damn. Yeah. And Tony that's, Todd. That's, yeah. What? I, again, again, I know they had to get permission from gang members. So, but like that's, that show, that shows how committed they were to like filming oh, yeah. there. They were very, Bernard Rose was the director. He was very committed to filming there. And some of the actors were uncomfortable being there. Even Tony Todd was uncomfortable being there. He said that police told him to watch the rooftops for snipers. Jesus Christ. But, but at the same time, there's people just living there trying to get their kids to school, you know? There's a woman that well, came it, to him and asked him, oh, are you guys going to clean up Cabrini Green? And he's like, uh, no, we're shooting a movie here. And it, apparently, I, I couldn't find any pictures or any like firsthand accounts, but there's a story about a sniper bullet hitting the production van possibly through one of the windows on the last day of filming there wow that's i can't help but be amazed but that's also really dangerous like yeah they put people's lives yeah but it's also it's one of those things where it's like yeah but i mean people live in those conditions every Mm -hmm. day they live in those like i watched um there's some videos about don Charles davis's death they interviewed classmates and people that knew him and there's a kid in there who's just like dropping names of kids that got shot that he went to school with i know this boy who got shot who went to jenner two more boys i think anthony felton and rosa roosevelt i don't know his last name but laquita Elwes got shot too it's 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 like you gotta be careful to walk to school Pretty green. It's so depressing. And at the end of the interview, they they go into his mom's house, and the living conditions are just so like 
gut-wrenching. There's like roaches everywhere. There's concrete walls. Um, there's like only a TV and hardly any furniture. It's really sad. But like, it's not just, you know, gangs, you know, there's, there's people living there and people there living in fear of the gangs because the police won't come over there. They, at some point, the police stopped responding to calls for Cabrini Green. Now I feel bad for saying that I had walked out of the film with no polls. Jesus <laughs> Christ. You should have, you should have said, damn. Like, I, I, that's why I'm like, I am going to say this after. So he, he sees why he's wrong. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. Anyway, but like, that's, I, Cabrini Green doesn't exist anymore. So like watching it in 92, it's like, if you know nothing about it, I can see why you would say that. If you know about it, it I think it adds a little bit more to to some of the dialogue. Well, like well it makes that, Ruthie Jean's murder wait much worse than what it, like, like much worse because it's based on a real thing. Yeah. Jesus Christ. There's a line somewhere that Helen has uh, I think it's, it's even in the trailer for the movie. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. Right, so like, these are the daily horrors they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know? How about, let's, let's talk about the bees. Do you remember, you don't remember the African killer bee scare, do you? No. Basically, they tried to make bees that were better suited for a warmer climate. By taking some bees from Africa and mixing them with European bees, honeybees in the South America, some of the bees escaped captivity, and you got an influx of like these scary bee movies in the sixties and seventies. But then it kind of got quiet until October of nineteen ninety, where the first African killer bee colony was discovered in Texas, uh, and after that, you have um, the bees kill Macaulay Culkin. In My Girl in 1991, you have Candyman in 1992, you have an episode of The X-Files where like these bees, I think it was in The X-Files or in The X-Files movie, where like these bees had some kind of alien disease and like there's a scene of Mulder and Scully like running through this, um, I don't know, it's like a big tent where like bees with small fox are like coming to steam them. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't think this was like coincidence. I think this was intentional. Bees making a comeback in the '90s in film. And there's that scene where like the city's being consumed by a bunch of bees. Oh, in the very beginning, yeah. I was very confused by that. Like, I don't. I was like, I don't get what's what that's about. Like, is his presence just consuming the entire city? It's underneath, right? Because the the thing is, Cabrini Green is surrounded by a bunch of expensive real estate that's like underneath the the, the surface of you know fancy uptown chicago you know man i gotta i really have to like look this up now i have a bunch of links if you want to see i'll post them all in the the episode description maybe please do because i want to read about this more yeah so real honey bees were bred and used on the set of Candyman. the bees were bred because like if their bees are younger their venom isn't as bad or something they use queen bee pheromone to like put on the actors so the, they don't get stung very much. Uh, Virginia Madsen was actually allergic to bees. Really? Yeah, and she was kind of scared about this. But by the end, she felt, she said that she felt like a badass. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I read somewhere that everybody on the crew got stung, but I can't find anything to confirm it. Like, I want that to be true because I think that that's pretty great. They used um, bees suits to like 
put the bees on and take them off. They had like a little vacuum to like suck up the bees that wasn't supposed to harm them. And someone says that the bees had their own dressing room. <laughs> and Tony Todd said that he negotiated a bonus of $1,000 for every sting during the bee scenes. I, I saw that. I, I know. I knew that. I knew. I, I think there was like, I think I follow a, like a film facts and I saw the picture of <laughs> the bees in his mouth. Yeah. And I was like, that is a deal. Yeah. Like, he got stung 23 times. Ooh, you know what though? I think it'd be worth it. I would do that. Yeah. I totally would. Like a thousand dollars per thing. Okay, yeah. And absolutely. I get to be Candyman. Hell yeah. Um, maybe not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say like I was gonna say like uh. Have you ever I been mean, stung by a bee? I, <laughs> I I landed on a bee. <laughs> you landed on a bee? Yeah. Oh, uh, in high school when I was uh, during swim practice, we were jumping off the diving block, and I jumped in. And like I felt like this pinch, like in my hand. It's like what the, f- what the, f-? and like my coach, she's like, oh yeah, you got you got stuck by a bee. So because sometimes like bees would like just end up on the water and they'd be floating. Mm. And uh, I guess that's when I hit it. Like I I hit a bee that was in the water, and so he he like pulled it out. I remember like I was in PE, and our PE teacher was like lecturing us because I don't know someone was doing something bad. And then he was like, you can't do that. It's not respectful and stuff. So we were all like really quiet. Then I saw this bee land on my hand and I didn't want to get in trouble for like running away or freaking out or anything. So I just like stayed super calm. And then I watched the bee sting me. <laughs> Jesus. Did you like yell or anything? Yeah, I was like, ow. And then I showed the pee teacher. I'm like, can I go to the office? And he's like, yeah, if you want to get some ice on that. <laughs> Yeah. That, okay, that that's funny. If honestly, I think I would have reacted much worse. <laughs> I'd be like, "Oh my god!" I would have yeah. definitely made a bigger scene. Uh, what else did I want to say? Uh, the hypnotism. Did you know that Bernard Rose had a professional hypnotist hypnotize Virginia Madsen for her scenes when she's with the Candyman? Really? Yes. Okay, that actually that makes sense because. I definitely got that vibe that when she was with him, she wasn't like, I definitely thought like, oh, it looks like she's like, someone's like hypnotizing her or something. Yeah, she's in a trance. Yeah, like it's, it's like she has those like close ups where she's like the, the light is like, like silhouetted on her. Yes, I love that. Yeah, like it's really beautiful, but it's like, there's something wrong with her. Like it's almost Mm -hmm. like he is hypnotizing her. I really, I thought that. Fuck, I saw I wish we saw the movie together cuz mm-hmm. I, I said that out loud. I was like, "Oh, it's almost like he's like hypnotizing her." Cuz and- he really was. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. She said that she couldn't really it affected her hearing and her vision. She could only really hear the director talking to her. Um and he says that there was one day where she didn't remember filming anything that day cuz of the hypnotism. And they I guess they used some kind of code word put her in the trance quickly or take her out of it quickly. They also see stuff about how everybody had to be quiet on set for like 10 minutes while the hypnotist hypnotizes her. She said that towards the end that she couldn't take it anymore and she had to ask them to stop doing it. Well, to constantly be like in and yeah. out. That's the mo- the making of this movie is really interesting. I know, right? Like, like, like can I just say the story behind 
Cabrini Green is really interesting, and the making of this movie is interesting, but the actual movie is kind of like, eh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I sh- yo, shoot me. I'm sorry. Hypnotism. This yeah. this kind of reminds me of like uh, Apocalypse Now and like My Heart of Darkness. I hear it's supposed to be better than Apocalypse Now. I love Apocalypse Now, but that documentary is insane. And this kind of feels like a scenario where it would be like, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because going back to the Joker thing, like I was reading behind the scenes stories about the movie, and I'm like, man, that sounds way more interesting than the film we got. Mm. But I again, I need to go back and rewatch this. Yeah, I, uh, and I feel like I, but particularly my biggest takeaway from this entire experience is I want to read about Cabrini Green. Yeah, and just because it's it's I it's not something that I didn't even I, I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Cabrini Green were two two words that I associated until the trailer for the new Candyman came out and people started talking about it and they mentioned it in the trailer and like podcasts that I follow started talking about it. It's like, oh, what's Cabrini Green? And then I watched Candyman and now we're now you're elaborating on it. It's just like, wow, this is there's so much to this. Let me ask you a question. Shoot. What did you think? What were your first impressions of the film when you first saw it? When I first saw it, I thought Candyman was scary. You know? Yeah. I there's the scene when she's like doing the she's at her house by herself and she's going through the photographs and she sees him uh, and then he like appears behind her and he appears in the hallway. I thought that scene was really scary. I thought it was really scary when she goes into Gabrini green and starts taking all those pictures and she goes in through the wall and then, yeah, through the mouth. And then like you see when Bernadette sits down on that gross bathtub, there's like a doll head in the tub. It just, it just feels really, it's a really unnerving sequence. I think. And I think that might be because the actors felt unnerved being there, you know, in retrospect. Uh, But yeah, those scenes were scary. I didn't understand the racial subtext there. Yeah, but as an adult, I'm like, like watching it now, I'm like, whoa, this movie was way ahead of its time. Yeah, I think I'm kind of more along. I kind of feel the same way how you felt about the film when you first saw it when you were how old again? I don't even know. I, I think I saw it on TV can't remember it but it didn't leave that much of an impression on me it wasn't until i saw it in um uc irvine again in the context of that class about uh, magical realism and i'm like oh okay this is this is uh, pretty interesting and then i saw it again and i'm i was really paying I attention think- this time to what Candyman was saying i yeah i kind of i think i'm the same way when you first saw it, I'm just like, oh, okay. It, it didn't leave too much of an impression, but hearing about everything else, like, oh, okay. Now I feel like I need to go back and like. This was a movie that um, it was unlike anything else before. You know, it took an, it doesn't cr- make the ghetto or the projects like this, just this awful place. It also shows that there are just people living there trying to get by. Like mm-hmm. you, you see all like the destruction, the vandalism, the burnt out apartments, you know, and then you go into Anne Marie's house, and it's she's just living there. You know, she's trying to you know live her life. Fight for her kid. She's got a, a dog and everything. So I think it takes a more sophisticated approach than filmed before. And that's the thing. It's like it's it's very. You could easily tell that there's a lot to this film. Um, and again, it's one of those films that you do talk about in the classroom setting and break down all of the things. 
uh just the, the first impression it just didn't um it just didn't engage mm-hmm. much you know what i mean i feel kind of bad now though that's okay i think i i think i saw the film the wrong way yeah it's you know that's the thing like that's part of why we do this podcast like when you watch movies again you see something different about them because you are a different person you know from oh, yeah. where you were be- when you saw it before and some some movies are like man this this really isn't as good as i thought like that happens too oh yeah that that happens a lot and then there's some stuff where it's like oh this is a lot better actually than i yeah. first gave it credit yeah oh, well now i'm just thinking now i'm just thinking more about cabrini green and stuff and i actually have it opened up in my I, I can show you like there's there's one that has like a bunch of different videos of interviews done there at the time and there's like raw video of um, the mayor's easter party and you see it all go to shit <laughs> it's it's that's fascinating just, that's just so dumb though why would you do that yeah and like they're the thing is they had that uh, cabrini green had someone that spoke for them um I, oh man did I, did I write down her name marion stamps that was her name marion yeah stamps? yeah marion stamps she was a cabrini tenant organized strikes and protests along Chicago against the Chicago Housing Authority. I feel like there should be a movie about her, you know? Mm-hmm. Like a real life. Yeah. Not, not a horror movie. Not just, just a movie about her, her what she did. Because no one, no one was really on her, no one in the government was on her side, you know? Even though she only tried to help people. Yeah, she tried to help the people living there. The people that were abandoned and neglected by the people in power. This is super depressing. <laughs> yeah. And, like, like, watch that scene when Candyman takes Helen into the pyre and, like, the fire consumes them. You see the faces of all the Cabrini residents. And he's he says the words, we are already dead. And, like, when he says that, you're not seeing... Helen and Candyman, you're seeing the people watching the fire. It just adds so much more to what he's saying. And what what does Helen do? She risks her life to save the baby so that the baby can have a chance to to live, you know, to not be a part of the Candyman narrative. It's actually more hopeful than uh, it first appears, I think. I didn't even notice. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice the voiceover. Because I know he was, like, hugging her, like, he was holding her, yeah. Yeah, trying not, trying to let, not, not let her escape. All right, I think I'm gonna watch this movie now again. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it again. Yeah, uh, the sequels, none of the subtext. Well, and that, and that, and I'm, I'm sure they were like, eh, all right. Because like, you know, big ideas like that don't really sell very well. It wasn't until I think Get Out where people saw that as a thing to invest in. You know? Yeah, people just saw, oh, uh, he's like. Freddy, but he's black and he uses a hook and has bees. Let's pit him against another white woman. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting that you say that, I think um, what, what really got me interested in the whole story was, I think it's amazing how Candyman, I think more so than any other film that's getting like a sequel remake kind of thing, mm-hmm. I think Candyman is the perfect candidate for that. Oh, yeah. Part of it's about the urban legend, the urban myth about Candyman. Yes. And how the story is passed down from generation to generation. And I think Candyman getting a sequel 
remake, you know, whatever, whatever the fuck these, these things are called, you know, where it's like a reboot, but it's a sequel in some ways. Candyman getting that sort of treatment fits really well with the legend, the themes of that first film. Yeah. About how a new generation, people who didn't grow up with Candyman, i.e. me, introducing them to that legend of Candyman, kind of the, the messages from that film, from the, the, the legends of Cabrini Green, in a way. And the people in Cabrini Green. And it's very interesting because I feel like Candyman is the perfect candidate or perfect film to get that treatment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, uh, I mean, most sequels, it's just like, well, do the same thing, but in a different setting, different heroes, yeah. different kills. You know, Predator, Aliens. Let's put um, Jason in space. J- exact, exactly. It's like, let's see what we could do with this guy in a different setting. But Candyman, and they did that with the, the, the two sequels it got, but I feel like yeah, very they, much. Yeah, they put like, him in New Orleans in the second one. Oh, they did? Yeah. But, but why, if, if his roots are very much settled in Cabrini Green? I, I guess because New Orleans is another black city. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm very interested. It makes me more interested to see Candyman, the 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 new film that's coming out. Yeah. It, I'm very interested to see kind of how how they go about talking about that and how the urban myth legend is or myth, a theme is going to play into this one. Yeah, I I am excited about anything Jordan Peele does. Um, Big fan of Get Out. Big fan of Us. Uh, I haven't seen the Twilight Zone stuff because I don't have all access. And I will probably start watching this Hunter's show uh, from Monkey Paw Productions on Amazon with Al Pacino. I, I think I'm, I'm excited too. Um, the, only thing, the only thing I can't help but think, but feel, why isn't he directing it? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just kind of like, he has a lot of projects. He has a lot of projects. He, and I'm sure he's very much involved. But it's like, I know he wants to keep directing. It's a good question. I don't know. I, I just, that, it's just, um, just a curious, you know, because I'm not too familiar with the filmmaker who is doing it. Um, they made a, a Western film with Tessa Thompson as one of the leads. Um, and it was reviewed very well. But I'm, I'm just kind of, I just can't help but wonder why. You know what I mean? It's like Steven Spielberg is executive producer of Transformers. It's like, well, why isn't he directing Transformers? You know what I mean? Like, it's just one yeah. of those, it's like you have a big name attached. Why aren't they doing it? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, one of the biggest things was going back to the Joker. I don't know why. I'm, I, I don't know why. It's just, I keep going back to the Joker. Um, is, uh, you know, Martin Scorsese early on. It's like Martin Scorsese is involved. He's producing. It's like. Why is it he directing the film? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, why, why, like, what, like, is he in love? Is, does he like the idea, but he's not love it? Or I'm, I'm just kind of, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, maybe in 20 years from now, there's going to be some like behind the scenes gossip of why he didn't direct it or why Nia Costa is directing it or, you know. But I mean, good, good on her getting, uh, good on her. Yeah, she, it seems she, like you know, the guy is the the main character in that movie is also an artist, which is kind of like in the Candyman origin, he is an artist. He was a well, painter. The whole, well, it's really interesting because in the trailer, he he's becoming Candyman. Uh, that's that's the impression that like he like he's looking in the mirror and he sees the hook where his hand should be, 
Mm-hmm. So it that's really that. Oh my god, that's a really good point. Candyman was an artist, and yep. This, oh wow. Okay. All right. So that, now I'm getting more excited for this now. Well, we'll see if it ever comes out. Oh, because yeah, we're in the knowing everything you know now. And combined with your experience watching the movie, what would you give Candyman? Well, okay, out of five? I can't because of all everything that you just told, mentioned to me. I have to rewatch the film, and I feel like I have to kind of go back rewatch it, knowing everything I know now. But from that first initial viewing, where I just saw it, you know, it's like a like a two and a half out of five. It's not a bad not a bad movie at all. Not a not a bad movie. It wasn't particularly scary, uh, but it has a lot of ideas at play. But but again, I don't think I personally engaged with the film enough. Maybe I wasn't watching it in the right way. Because all the stories that we're talking about today, the behind the scenes and the actual real life events that the movie's based on, it's, it's really piquing my curiosity. And I, I'm going to like Google all this stuff now just so I could rewatch the film. And that will have an effect on me. So yeah. It definitely will. Um, I think I just saw it the wrong way, but from that initial view, yeah, it's like a two, two and a half. You know, it's knowing everything you know now. Does that increase your rating? I I think it does. It does. So um, what would you give it? That maybe like a like a three. It's hard to say because I just need to rewatch it again. Okay. But it, right. at least at least a three though, because like even the the Ruthie Jean uh, reference to like the murder of the woman using the gang sign in relation to like the can- the guy using the Candyman name that's all really interesting it's all See, and that very- that ha- the girl x attack that happened in 97 5 years after the movie came out oh and how and like the attack of the uh, uh, oh, yeah. the kid the, the kid's death mm-hmm. like 3 days before the film yeah like you can't i mean yeah, yeah for that- all for all we know they were practicing shooting by using the production van as target practice. You know, maybe the same person who did that shot the kid. You never know. Because I can't find anything about who shot the van. <laughs> it's insane. There's there's no way that's not going to affect my score. Without a doubt. I just have yeah. to rewatch it again to see how much more. Because it could be where one of those situations where I watched it and, and then I rewatch it and it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. I was totally wrong. Or it could be like, oh, it's a little bit better. But man, you know, the story behind it is much better. I, I'm not too sure, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's a movie where you really have to, because on the surface, it looks like a slasher movie, you know. But if you look, read between the lines, you listen to what he's saying, what's, pay attention to what's happening. Think of everything as like an intentional choice. Then the movie, I think you'll get a better viewing viewing experience. And I think that about movies in general, except for movies that have no subtext, they have no meaning. That if you look at certain movies like that, they end up being worse. Like Transformers. Like if you try to like read between the lines for Transformers, you're not going to get anything. Except no, you can't though. You you, you can't do that for every movie. No, 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 you can't. You, you, there are movies where you really just have to turn your brain off and just enjoy the spectacle of what you're watching. Yeah. The, this movie is not... If you're, if you're just trying to watch this movie for the pure spectacle of, of it, spectacle of it, you will walk out like I did and you will be just not pleased because it's yeah. not about that. There are really cool imagery 
there's really cool imagery, but the imagery does not carry the film. It is the, the message and the, the subtext. Oh, and the that... way he sounds too, like it, he sounds like he's in your head. Hello. Well, his voice never, his voice never, his voice never sounds like it's really grounded, like it's coming from a physical location. Yeah, it's ethereal. That bounce, that's that's bounced exactly. It's very ethereal. All every and that's something I noticed too that his voice does not sound like it is coming from a physical presence. That it, it's coming yeah. from another place. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I would give this film a four. I guess because I, and when I watched it initially, I would probably also give it a lower score, but like knowing everything I know now and if you really pay attention to what's happening and think about why it's happening, what is trying, what is the director trying to say? What backstory is Tony Todd putting into the Candyman? Like what, what is he represent? What is he? I think that, yeah, I, I I like this movie a lot. I'd give it a four. Nice. All right. All right. So that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. See you later. See you guys. Peace. Hey, Austin. Yeah? That was a pretty cool episode of Retrograde. Uh, when's the next one coming out? I don't know, George. Do you follow us on Twitter at Retrograde underscore pod? Um, no, I don't. Uh, do you follow us on Instagram at Retrograde underscore pod? Uh, that's a negative. Don't be like George. Make sure you follow us at retrograde underscore pod. Okay, wait, can you say it again? I'm writing it down. Retrograde, one word, underscore pod. Got it? Now, is that retro spelled retro or in the Latin retro? How else do you spell retro? The other way. What's the other way? Tell me. (laughs) Uh, retro. Retro.